Welcome to the North Cross Sermons Podcast. At North Cross, we believe Jesus changes everything. To learn more about us and our ministry, visit us at northcrossmn.org. And be sure to check out the episode description for notes and discussion questions. On this, what I call, and many of you do too, the most important day of the entire year. Uh, As we get started this morning, I had a question for you to think about and to consider. It's here on the screen. Um, What did you bring with you to Easter today? What did you bring with you to Easter today? Now, um, some of you might be thinking of people, and you brought your family. They're sitting next to you or they're in North Cross Kids. Some of you might be thinking of a friend uh, or a neighbor that you brought with you. Others of you might be thinking with this question, you know, I I brought a new shirt or a new dress. Any of you notice what I brought with me today? I know. Lots of you are just like so surprised that I actually had a tie and then wore it. Brought a tie with me today. Uh, Others of you, maybe it's an emotion. Uh, You brought joy with you. Uh, It just seems like on Easter, the smiles are a little bigger and the songs are a little bit louder and the colors are a little bit brighter. You know, for some of you, as you think about this question of what you brought with you, maybe the answer you first thought of is a little bit negative. Uh, You brought loneliness with you to Easter this year because you look around and there's no one sitting next to you, or you're going home this afternoon and it's just going to be you or the two of you. And that's a a real thing. Uh, Maybe for some of you, you've been going through a really tough time. Maybe it's been a tough year. And to Easter, you brought with you sadness. Uh, Maybe it's something physical. Maybe it's relational, emotional, maybe even spiritual. For some of you, you hear this question, what did you bring with you to Easter? And you're thinking, okay, preacher, you want me to really tell you what I brought to Easter today? You want me to really be honest with you of what I brought? Because I've brought questions. I've brought questions about Easter. I've brought questions about God. I've brought questions about Jesus and rising from the dead. I've brought a lot of questions about what's going to happen to me after I die. And if that's you on this Easter, I want you to know that, that I understand. If that's you this Easter, I want you to know that you're in a room or watching online, you're in a room filled with people who do not have perfect faith. It's a room filled with people who have ups and downs, highs and lows, that we look back on our faith lives, there's these moments where we trusted and we had strong faith, and then there's these other moments that were filled with doubt and filled with worry. What did you bring with you to Easter today? No matter what it is you brought, questions and all, I want you to know this, and happens to be our first fill-in for today, that Easter is the answer. Easter is the answer that you've been looking for. 
And on this Easter, what I, I want to do with you, with the few minutes that you've given me to, to share with you, I want to show you that believing in Jesus and his resurrection from the dead, believing that we have life after this life, is not like believing in the Easter bunny or believing that there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. All we have to do is search and to find it. That the Easter belief is something entirely different. And I'd like to show you that this morning. Are you ready? Ready or not? Here we go. So, did you know that it's not just biblical writers who attest to the existence of Jesus of Nazareth 2,000 years ago? Did you know that even non-biblical historians from the first century itself attest to the reality or truth that Jesus lived? Did you know that it's not just biblical writers that attest to the reality that at the end of Jesus' life, after 33 years, that he died, but not only that he died, that he was crucified, but that non-biblical writers attest to the very same thing, that Jesus was crucified? In fact, for this morning, I thought I'd share one of those writings with you from a Jewish historian in the first century. He happened not to ultimately believe that Jesus was the Savior, but he writes about the reality of Jesus in the first century. Here's what Flavius Josephus writes. At this time, there was a wise man called Jesus, and his conduct was good, and he was known to be virtuous. Many people among the Jews and other nations became his disciples. Pilate condemned him to death and to die. So the Bible says Jesus lived and was crucified. Non-biblical writers attest to the reality that Jesus lived and was crucified. And here's the other thing we know is that Everyone expected Jesus, when he died, to do what most dead people do, until the last day at least, to stay dead. The women thought Jesus was going to stay dead, and so they were in a room or at their home putting burial spices together to finish the burial process Thomas, one of the disciples, thought Jesus would stay dead, and it would seem as if he had fled Jerusalem for a few days. The other disciples, they thought Jesus would stay dead, and they were gathered in a room in Jerusalem with a door locked for fear that they would be the next to be killed. The Romans who killed him, the Jews who put him on trial, they both, both groups, thought that Jesus would stay dead. And honestly, they were happy because this little Jewish uprising that was kind of growing, these people sort of following this king called Jesus from Nazareth, well, now with him gone, you know what they thought? Well, they thought that the movement Jesus started would die as well. With Jesus gone, 
this whole uprising, this new thing, this, this following of Jesus, that movement would die as well. And from every logical, historical perspective, it should have. Because what was left after Jesus died, after the leader died, was this small group of followers who, by the way, had no influence, really, no money, and no power. So, those are the circumstances. The powerful Roman Empire, 2,000 years later, today, is long gone. 2,000 years later, as we gather today, the temple in Jerusalem has long been destroyed. And yet, 2,000 years later, there are billions of people who still follow this Jesus from Nazareth and believe he is their savior. And from a logical, historical perspective, it begs the question, what happened? What happened that over the last 2,000 years, billions and billions of people have believed and followed this Jesus from Nazareth and have proclaimed him to be their savior and king. What happened that 2,000 years later, on the other side of the world from where this happened in Israel, there's a group of a few hundred people gathered in this town in Minnesota called Lakeville at this church called North Cross, and they've gathered together wearing new clothes and singing loudly, and some even are wearing ties. What happened that this would happen? That it didn't die, this movement, but that we are a part of it. What happened is why we're here. What happened was recorded by Matthew, who was there that day, and by John, who was there, and by Mark, who wasn't there, but wrote down what Peter said about the day, and he was there. And today, we're taking a look at what Luke wrote about it. Now, Luke's backstory to his biography of Jesus is an interesting one. Uh, he was a doctor who had been commissioned to write an orderly history of Jesus of Nazareth's life. And in order to do that, what Luke did is he talked to a lot of people. He investigated. He interviewed. Almost certainly, one of the people he interviewed was Jesus' mother, Mary. And that accounts for the fact of all four Gospels. Luke's birth account of Jesus, the Christmas account, is the longest one because he talked to the mom who birthed him into the world. So here's what Luke, who went around investigating, talking to people who saw Jesus' life and saw what happened on Resurrection Sunday, 
Here's what he says happened. On the first day of the week, Sunday, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. So Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, a Jewish leader who believed in Jesus, they had gathered Jesus' body from the cross. You might remember this. And they started the burial process, but the Sabbath happened too quickly and they had to to stop and they hadn't finished. And so that's why the ladies were coming early on Sunday morning. But when they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and when I did a a research or a, a study of the Greek word used there for rolled away, it's not what you'd expect. So a tomb like the one Jesus was, was buried in or put in would have been like a cave. And then there would have been like a little trough or trench where a stone like kind of like a wagon wheel would kind of be rolled back and forth in that trench. The Greek word doesn't seem to signify that the rock or the stone was just kind of rolled in the trench, but instead that it was rolled away, that it was pushed or taken away, that something miraculous happened. And when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And yet, in that moment, the women still did not understand or think that Jesus had risen from the dead. Because when people die and are buried, Just like your experience with friends and loved ones, they stay dead and buried. Verse four, while they were wondering about this, while they were thinking about what could have happened as they see this stone thrown away and the tomb empty, while they're wondering where Jesus might be, they're still not thinking resurrection from the dead. Suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them, angels. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? And they're probably thinking, we're not looking for the living among the dead. We're looking for the dead among the dead. That's why we're at a cemetery, because that's where dead people are. And the angels respond, he's not here He's risen, continues. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee that the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again? Now, this is the part that always kind of confused me. Because if you read through the Gospels, you see that in the days and weeks leading up to Jesus' death and his rising from the dead, he actually tells the disciples and the women exactly what was going to happen. But why did they not remember? Why did they not believe? And I'm guessing you're thinking, I'm going to have some really great answer for you today. The answer is, at least for me, I don't know. It could be the thought of Jesus being dead was the furthest thing from their mind. And they just didn't want to hear it. It could be that they knew Jesus had done miracles. And so this idea that, you know, he would not have power over people who were trying to put him to death was not something that tracked on their radar. Here's what I do know. 
If you see someone you love brutally crucified on a cross, your mind is not going to be in the right place. You're grieving. You're, you're in shock. Whatever the reason, they needed this reminder of God's truth that Jesus had shared. Verse 8. And then they remembered. A little bit of a, a side note here, but so applicable and so important for all of us here. Um, our second fill-in is this, that God's truth can bring calm to your distress. God's truth can bring a calm to your worry or anxiety. Think of these women. Why were they so upset and worried and stressed? It's because they were living by emotion and allowing the circumstances of what they saw direct them. Most of the time, when we're struggling with emotion, it could be worry, it could be anxiety, it could be anger, it could be fear, and when you just stop to think, most of the time when we're struggling our most with these emotions, it's because we're doing the same thing the women were doing when they got to the tomb, living by circumstance, living by what we can see. And do you know what they needed? They needed to hear what was true. What would happen if in the midst of our worry, depression, stress, anger, we would stop and remember God's truth, that he's with you, that he loves you, that he's got power with you, that he has a plan for you. Be a great start to feeling better. God's truth helps bring calm to our distress. Well, what happened with the women? Well, they came back from the tomb and they went to the room where the disciples were in Jerusalem and they told all the things that happened to the 11 and to the others gathered in the room. It was Mary Magdalene who was there, Joanna, Mary the mother of James and the others with them who told this to the apostles. So they come back, they're all you know, excited but yet still wondering. We, we noticed throughout Easter morning that they, it didn't really click totally for any of Jesus' followers because when someone dies, you expect them to stay dead. Even for the disciples who listened to the women, verse 11, it says, they did not believe them because their words seemed to them like nonsense. And that might be you this morning. That the idea of a Jesus rising from the dead sounds just a little bit nonsensical. It's interesting that even these great men of faith, it took them a moment or two to wrap their minds around a resurrection. These are, these are guys that today churches are named after, like James and John and Matthew and Peter, and they're struggling with what really happened. And then Peter does what he normally does. He just reacts. Peter got up and ran to the tomb. 
Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about why Luke takes a moment to point out the strips of linen. Here's why. These strips or these cloths would have been used to wrap the body of Jesus after he was crucified, a body that had been flogged and and nails gone through the hands and the feet, a spear gone through the side. That body would have been mangled and bloody. And then you put cloth on there. Luke is making sure that everyone understands that something miraculous had gone on because no person would steal the body of Jesus and first, before they haul the body away, decide to take off the grave clothes. It's just not what you would do. But Peter sees this and we understand something miraculous went on. And yet even then, even then, it it took these guys so much to really understand and to believe what was going on. And we notice throughout the rest of that day until the evening that they're still trying to figure it out. And then something happens, Luke records, as Jesus shows up in the room where the men and the women have gathered. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And in the moment, they're probably like, yeah, right. Here's Jesus. I'm not at peace at all. We continue in how they were feeling. They were startled and they were frightened thinking they saw a ghost. And then Jesus said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands, look at my feet. It's me, it's I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. So let's recap. Jesus was crucified. The disciples respond because they think Jesus is dead and going to stay dead by locking themselves in a room. The women respond because they think Jesus is going to stay dead by getting burial spices ready. The Jews and Romans, because they thought Jesus would stay dead, They think that the Jesus movement was over. And yet, here we are, 2,000 years later, gathering in his name and singing his praise. What happened? What happened? that 2,000 years later, there are still billions of Christians in this world who praise Jesus as being their king and their savior. There's only one answer to something that otherwise would seem so illogical, so impractical, so impossible. Jesus rose from the dead. He did not stay dead. And so Easter is the answer. Number three, Easter, first of all, is the answer to the existence of the Christian church 2,000 years later. 
why would the disciples go from not even being willing to come out of a room to being, history shows us, some of the bravest carriers of the message of the gospel who have ever lived. It doesn't make sense unless they saw Jesus die and then saw him with their own eyes alive. What would cause hundreds, thousands of Christians in the first century to not stop proclaiming Jesus is Lord, even though it cost thousands of them their lives? It doesn't make sense. Unless hundreds of them saw Jesus alive during the 40 days that he stayed on earth after he rose from the dead. And then those hundreds passed it on to others. And they were willing to die for the reality that Jesus was not just a rabbi or a teacher or a Nazarene or a carpenter. He lives just like he said. Now, Easter is the answer to something else that is way more personal than what we've talked about so far. Easter is the answer to how your story ends. I want you to think about your life. I brought a a clock to help you think. That's what this is, in case you didn't know. We don't use these kind anymore. <laughs> but there's this, uh, this hand right here that keeps moving. It's called a, a seconds hand. And each moment of our life, we see tick, tick, tick. And with every tick, guess what? We are closer to our earthly lives being over. And when you're young, like some of you are, you don't care about that. Like, that's a long ways off. But then, then you get older. You start to think about him more. You start to see people that you love and have cherished and have spent life with. They begin to leave you and die. And, and then you get older and... You, you see like, okay, I've got two kids graduating from college this year. I'm getting old. There's more gray in my chin than there used to be. And don't tell anyone, but I've started to use reading glasses a little bit. I can't eat pizza and ice cream at night like I used to. I guess that could be a little depressing. You know, um, Peter, he was a mess on Easter morning, wasn't he? And then later in the day, Jesus appeared to him and the disciples. And you know how at North Cross we say Jesus changes everything? I'm going to tweak it for Easter a little bit. For Peter, a living Jesus changed everything. And you know that same Peter 
who wondered and closed the door and locked it, just 50 days later, on a day called Pentecost, he stands in the same city where Jesus was crucified, not in a room anymore, but speaking and preaching one of the most bold sermons you could ever think of with the people who could kill him right around him about Jesus being Lord and Savior. He didn't care. Because a living Jesus changed everything. And as the ticks of Peter's life went away. And as he was an older man, knowing that he most likely was going to be put to death, listen to what he writes. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy and love, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I want you to know your greatest hope for life eternal is not how good you are or how often you go to church or whether you volunteer or not or how much you give to the ministry. Those are good things. They're not your hope. See, every single one of us knows that as good as we might be on some days, we have this sin in us that causes us to not be the husbands and the fathers and the moms and the wives and the children that we want to be. We all struggle with sin. But we've come together today to celebrate that Jesus was the perfect substitute in our place and then something happened. I know what it is. He rose from the dead. And so he gives us an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Do you know how you get an inheritance? Relationship. Almost every inheritance, I can't think of one you wouldn't receive this way, is through relationship. And Peter is saying, that's how you receive heaven, is through a relationship, a relationship, a faith relationship with Jesus. And so, tick, tick. It doesn't need to worry you anymore. <laughs> One second. Three seconds. Closer to heaven. One second, three seconds, closer to seeing Jesus, just like Peter did. You see, Easter is the answer to how your story ends. He lives. Happy Easter. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you Thank you for this opportunity to gather around your word. And I, I pray that those who may have come here today skeptical or wondering, just like the women and just like the disciples, that we all might leave this place refreshed and a little bit stronger in our trust. I pray that we have the same joy that Peter had as he wrote about it, knowing exactly how our story ends with you forever. 
We thank you for your forgiveness and for your victory, which is now ours through faith. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen.